You are tuned into the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week thus far. August is coming to a close, which means we are closing in on my birthday. You know, despite the struggles I face this year, I'm really excited about turning 25 on the real just because things are going really well overall i can't complain a lot of blessings continue to keep coming my way and i'm going to bring a whole new level of hustle next year so you know i'm just excited excited to be 25. Um, before we get into this week's show shout out to generic sports for producing the dope instrumental in the background also shout out to vince correa for designing the mike and i logo you are seeing on your screen this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So now there is no excuse for you not to listen to the show. Also, this show is now available on the Big Heads Podcast Network. The Big Heads Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts like the Body Counts Podcast. Speaking of which, we'll be right back after a quick commercial describing their show. While you may think that history is, eh, vaguely interesting, the truth is it's fun and metal AF. Echoes of the past are still reverberating through our world today, and Body Count is here to show you how our shared history affects your life on the daily. Whether you know it or not. So, are you past the point of higher education? Feel like you didn't learn anything from your high school history teacher? Or just didn't give a flying crap about it? Are you tired of always missing out on the yellow history pie piece and trivial pursuit? Are you the horror of all your friends' game nights? Did you once proudly announce that Napoleon Bonaparte was a super short little nutsack? When in reality, he was an average-sized nutsack. Have you been thinking about living under a faulty dam? Or perhaps an active volcano? Well, we have good news. It's not too late for you or your homeowner's insurance. Come on over and listen to Body Count, the podcast that explores death and disaster through the ages with only one rule. Someone, or usually a lot of someone's, dies. Because history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. A proud member of the MSE Podcast Network. Boom, No Alvarez here, back in action, and I have an exciting episode to tell you about. Have you ever wondered what it's like to start your own clothing brand? Well, on this week's show, I have the CEO of Vision Clothing, Kevin Ramirez, Anaheim born and bred, and he talks about his journey that he's gone through when it comes to creating an athletic apparel brand. Really informative convo, lots of fun. Uh, It was definitely a pleasure to have him on the show. So without further ado, enjoy the conversation between Kevin Ramirez and I. Thanks again for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. I've seen a lot of posts on Instagram of your clothing brand. Kind of wanted to talk about, you know, what inspired you to kind of start up that brand. So it all started back in like 2014. Um, I stopped playing basketball in 2013. So I went from a student athlete to just a student. And I was working two part-time jobs at the time. And me and my buddy were thinking of starting a brand. And since we love basketball so much, it was going to start off as a basketball brand. And it was actually called K-Factive. Mm-hmm. And we tried doing it. It just lasted about three, four months. And he kind of went off and did his own thing. And I kind of stuck with it. And I started seeing social media play a big role in like businesses. And the one thing that kind of stood out to me was Ball is Life, um, mm-hmm. which is a basketball brand. 
they do videos, highlights, mixtapes, and all that. And basically, I started seeing their T-shirts, and I was just like, "Man, this this is this is selling." And I had to come up with a name, a different logo, just everything by myself, and came up with vision. And for me, vision basically is just more about inspiring and helping others achieve their their dreams or goals. Mm-hmm. And from there on, I just kind of just did the little baby steps and the research, and, and it just basically that's that's how it started back mm-hmm. in 2014. How'd you come up with a design? That was very tough. So <laughs> it it literally took me about a year, and I kid you not, I think it happened at three a.m. Yeah. I, I was I just had a hard time sleeping because I had the name, but I didn't have the logo, uh-huh. and I was messing with just a bunch of different apps on my phone, and I just somehow I just created it, and it just it was it, it didn't have like a sporty look. At the time, so I had a good friend who was a graphic designer because I had no idea what to do with graphic de- illustrator, none of that. Mm-hmm. And I texted him and I asked him, hey, dude, can you help me out? I want to just give this logo a little bit more sporty look. And from there on, he did it. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's it. That's that's the logo. <laughs> yeah, those are the best friends to have because even like my logos, I don't know how to do the illustrator stuff. Mm-hmm. But I have a friend who's pretty crafty with it. And. He designed both the logos, and they both look really good, but I can never do such a thing, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. shout out to all the graphic designers exactly, out there. man. They're lifesavers, dude. Mm-hmm. So, take me back to 2014. Kind of some of the, the trial and error that you had in the process of kind of growing your brand and whatnot. So, after that uh, that eBay incident, kind of went back to Google, did some searches, uh, heard of Gildan, and then uh, I actually had a friend who was starting a clothing brand as well. And I reached out to him and he said, go down to L.A., go down to Main Street and Pico Boulevard. Like, cool. Went down there, checked it out. I actually went with my mom and because at that time I was kind of embarrassed, you know, talking to people or how, how all that works. And she loved clothing. So went down there and started seeing these these T-shirts, a little better quality, so on and so forth started off there came back and then now it was more of the process of how do i get these shirts printed i had no idea and my friend who did the logo for me i asked him hey this is what i'm starting i was wondering if you can help me out and at that time he wanted to be 50 50 partners he loved Mm -hmm. the idea and he was actually trying to get more exposure and experience with his graphic designing because that's the degree he got Mm -hmm. and then from there uh, I told him, you know what, I'll pay you as I go. I don't think 50-50 would be beneficial for me at this time because I had no idea what I was doing. You yeah. Know? I was just still learning. So imagine having a partner alongside and not knowing what you're doing. Right. So I couldn't I couldn't do it. So he said, that's fine. Just pay me as you go. And then uh, he did the files, and I had to go on a mission on how to find a screen printer. You would assume that all screen printing businesses do the same thing, but mm-hmm. man, they don't. <laughs> they really don't, dude. Very different processes. Very different processes. I mean, I kidding not, I probably went to 20 different businesses. Kidding not. From Irvine to Santa Ana to Anaheim to Fullerton, just so on and so forth. Uh, simply because some of them, they would print it, I would wash it. I would always do test runs. I would wash it and the print would come off. Oh, shit. And when I started that, I was just like, dude, this is, this is, that's not, not what you want. Yeah. yeah. You know, people aren't going to buy after one wash or the t-shirts getting faded. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, just basically start off like that and, and then it just went up from there. 
how did you eventually find the screen printer that worked best for you? After maybe the 21st one, <laughs> I just kept going, uh, just kept looking and pricing. Oh, yeah. I had to see what was best for me. And uh, the one I use now is actually in Tustin. In Tustin, and I've been with them for, for two years. Did but, that get kind of expensive? Did that did you lose a little bit of your profit kind of going place to place? Yes, yes, because each place they charge a, a setup fee, which is to burn the screen. Mm -hmm. So every time I came up with a design or even just to sample, I, I had to pay that screen. It was, it was not... Uh, something I can avoid mm -hmm. so I did I did lose some money there too but I felt like you know it's part of the process mm -hmm. it, was, it was worth it so you got the graphic design you got the uh, screen printer what were some of the next things that you had to to do in order to get you know the so now the models so it was just like I had the clothing cool who's gonna promote the clothing and I did not feel comfortable promoting my own clothing I was I think at that time I, I've gained so much weight and I was just, I was just shy. I was embarrassed, and I've never been in front of the camera. Right. So uh, I started reaching out to people, uh, mainly close friends that played sports, basketball, or so on and so forth, and uh, they were willing to help me out. So I started shooting, and I would give them free clothing. I was like, "Here, thanks for helping me out. Here's your free clothing," and hopes in return that they would post it, and then their followers would, you know, come to my page and, right. and kind of like see the clothing and are like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy." <laughs> that did not work. I think yeah. this was in 2015. Didn't work, dude. So I was giving away free clothing, and I wasn't generating any sales. Dang. So either that meant that the designs or the clothing was just not, you know, up to par, or my marketing or advertising was just horrible. Mm -hmm. And that's just something I had to figure out. And um, and I think it was the clothing. I had, I had a good friend of mine just said like, you you sound more of like a company with t-shirts and 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 uh quotes on, on your on your on your t-shirts you know uh -huh. so it's just kind of like nike i guess well you're not a nike though yeah so, it's hard to work up to that yeah so basically, sure. so basically i had to approach it a different way dang but i'm sure so did you because you said you had to go to different screen printing pay for that give out free clothing I and mean, did you lose a considerable amount of money in, the, in those first couple of years? Yeah, dude, a uh, lot. So within those two part-time jobs that I had, I saved, uh, I want to say about 2000 just to start this brand. But out of those 2000, I in, probably invested 500. Mm -hmm. So $200 worth of t-shirts and then the 300 just more of samples and going to different places and trying things. And then the turnaround wasn't that bad. I think out of the 200 that I spent on t-shirts, I believe it was 48 t-shirts mm -hmm. and I sold those for $20 a pop I ended up making 600 so oh, okay not it, bad it wasn't that bad to start but I mean I, I was losing more than I was making mm -hmm. without a doubt and then boom 2016 hit right that's when kind of it, it took off you said it, it took off how did your approach change in order for it to take off or in your opinion compared to the first time uh, the models, the clothing, I didn't make any shirts with slogans or quotes. It just came more of uh, like that of saying they say simplicity is key. Mm -hmm. So it's just more simple and more high quality stuff. So I was willing to spend more on a t-shirt, on a hoodie, on whatever I was, joggers, um, just so people can see the quality. And then that's when I invested that camera as well. Uh, we had to break off me and my buddy. Because he wasn't getting a paid certain mm -hmm. amount that he was hoping. Mm -hmm. 
So um, I took everything on my hands and just started, you know, learning the Adobe, everything, and it just became a little bit more professional looking. And, and then from there, uh, November 2016 was my official launch, which was, uh, what is it, Black Friday? Mm, okay, yeah. Black Friday. So Black Friday was huge, dude. I think I made about, just that day, $4,200. That day. Just Dang, 4200 Yeah. Did you have sales or was it just... Yeah, it was a Black Friday oh, sale. Okay, okay. So, that, so I just, because everything was on pause from like 2016. I was just learning and trying to come up with all these accounts and from China to Pakistan to L.A., just trying to find like all these all these clothings and when i launched it just it just hit i was like damn that's what's up you know? 4200 that's nice yeah. that's a nice one day return I'm yeah, sure. yeah yeah so i finished off pretty well and from uh november 2016 to november 2017 i only made about like i think it was 12 or 13 uh thousand dollars in sales mm-hmm. which i was like why Forty two, forty five hundred in one day in the rest of the year I, I didn't make that much. Dang. So it was hard. It was really hard there and I just I think it was more of the pricing. People were telling me it's too expensive. Mm. But it's tough because you wanna make you wanna be able to make a certain amount of profit too, especially since you're no you're knowing what you're paying for the product, you know? But then again you have that uh you're just a startup brand. Who are you? Yeah, you're exactly, not. Yeah. You're not a Nike and Adidas or a, mm-hmm. a Gucci or so on and yeah. so forth. You know, so it, it was it was hard. So I had to kind of drop it, and then I had to do more networking mm-hmm. for sure. A lot more networking, trying to reach out to people and how they do their things and just different models and sex sales. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what anyone says. Sex sales, like just attractive people. Mm-hmm. Not meaning like actual sex but just this, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 of course sex appeal yeah exactly <laughs> so i had it like from dudes to to girls just you know even if it's just showing a little bit more skin or something like that it just it attracted more people and then mm-hmm. i started buying more ads on instagram oh okay how does that work because i've never done anything like that uh basically you just set up a budget any type of budget that you want uh it'll sponsor your ad for a certain amount of days and that's to your liking so i would usually do about three to five days really spend anywhere from like 60 to 120 dollars within the range and they'll just attract more people mm-hmm. to to what you're trying to try to get that's cool and you said you said earlier people could people reach out to you because i know like in the beginning you had to reach out to models and ambassadors to rep your brand but and what was that feeling like when people started reaching out to you and started hitting you up about prices and I was doing something something right <laughs> when yeah. people were reaching out to me. It was just like, damn, about time. So um, that's when I started making, getting ambassadors or doing sponsorships. The sponsorships were mainly like with the people that had more than 20K in following in, in, on Instagram. Like I would mm-hmm. sponsor them. I wouldn't mind giving them free things. Then I had ambassadors that were underneath that and I would give them a discount on the apparel okay so they would get 50 percent off the apparel and then they would get a promo code to share for their followers Mm -hmm. so their followers would get a discount and then if whatever they sold they would get commission Mm -hmm. and their commission was 20 percent yeah you ever heard of karma loop no No. karma loop karma loop yeah they did something like that that was like a why does that wait karma loop is this his clothing brand too it was a but it was a clothing 
they sold everything though. It wasn't it was like a, brand. a streetwear. It was or... it was a website basically. But I remember because I had friends in high school that were doing this. That were they, they would promote their uh, promo code, and I was like, how do you guys do that? But it, it sold clothes like the hundreds, um, Crooks and Castles, oh, Diamond so Supply. I had everything, but it was like through Karma Loop, just regular people could get like promo codes and give it out to people. And that's when you said <laughs> promo codes, it kind of made me think back to those days. And I was like, oh, I don't know how that works. The, the whole promo code stuff because. I don't know, the Karma Loop kind of, that was my first introduction to it, at least. Everyone thinks, like, when they hear promo code, oh, you have a promo code? Like, oh, you made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're getting paid, you exactly. know, or something. But it's just like, nah, you probably just signed up to a newsletter or something. Yeah. But they, they would get a percentage, so, so it was mm-hmm. cool for them. Yeah, and it's cool right here in, in Orange County. It's such a hotbed for people. Like, there's a lot of people, and we're so close to L.A. County, pretty close to San Diego County, the IE as well. You know, a person's going to see that and then it's going to be shared with another person. I feel like you're in a pretty yeah. good spot for at least like publicity. You know what I mean? One person walks out to the district or um, to the block of Orange or something like that, some big mall. And there's going to be people from everywhere saying, oh, hey, look, I've never seen that brand before, you know? Not only that, Orange County and L.A. County, like, it's it's such a small world. Like, everyone knows each other. So yeah. that, that helps too, you know? Just any, any person you, you encounter. Like, just you and I today. Mm-hmm. You knew yeah. one of my ambassadors, and right. I was just like, "What? How? You know, this is our first time meeting each other." Yeah, so, small world. Yeah, but that's how things start, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially most people in Orange County, LA, have money. They want to. I would say, you know, these two counties, people care about being fitness, and that's what I've liked about like seeing your stuff too. Is it's all workout apparel, pretty much. A lot of it is, um, and so I think that's that's huge in this market right here. Is like a lot of people want to be fit in Orange County and LA County and look good. That and kind of stuff. that was actually another struggle. Good thing that you mentioned that is the fact that who is the owner? Because I would never show my face mm. in 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 the social media, and then I put it on my bio, on my personal page, and then people started seeing like, oh, it's this guy, it's this guy. They're just like, this dude's not fit. Mm. I kid you not. I think <laughs> oh, my shit. heaviest was two fifteen when I was starting this brand. Two fifteen. And simply because I was so damn busy, I didn't have time to work out. Mm-hmm. I learned everything. And yeah, yeah, it was it was just sad. It was just embarrassing. It was like, oh, it's 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 this guy. Like, what, what does he do? <laughs> yeah, like who is he? And at that time, I wasn't playing basketball anymore. So like, my my basketball like image was was gone. Mm-hmm. So I had to like hit the weight room. So those are times where I had to stop. And right now, I'm actually at one eighty five. So I went from two fifteen. There you go to one eighty five. So congrats. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting there too. So. Yeah, that's a tough thing too. Like again, off topic, but just after high school and after playing sports or whenever people stop playing sports whether it's high school or college it's, it's hard to stay in shape and as you get older it only gets more difficult that fresh, freshman 15 man that's not a joke yeah really it's for real happen. yo like be careful with that yo Check, it really you gotta, does happen you gotta watch what you eat cause your metabolism slows yeah. and everything yeah 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 but, but yeah and then um, from uh, 2017 to, well 2018 to 20 2017 to 2018 I should say that was my second year coming in and then that's when I really started to show myself on the page and on my personal account of telling my story on why I started the brand and and all the all the trial and errors all the mistakes all the losses and my second year was actually the best year um I was bringing out more uh ambassadors different type of clothing from a lifestyle to fitness to kind of like a fashion and then um i think i finished off the year with 
thirty thirty two thousand. So I went from like thirteen thousand in sales mm-hmm. to thirty two thousand in sales. That was my second. It's a considerable jump, yeah. Yeah, it was a huge jump. Uh-huh. But I I took a big loss. So oh, this yeah. was more of a I believe well now it's more of an emotional decision. So you know how I told you my first year in Black Friday I made forty forty two hundred. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking my second year, I'm, I'm probably going to double or triple that because mm-hmm. everything was just so much better. And man, everything just went south. Uh, everything yeah. went south. I hired a dude to do my photography and for product shots and a new website because I just wanted a new website and more of a professional look. And this is what this dude did for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought my team some like uh, custom windbreakers with their names on it. Oh, okay. Um, and just a bunch of expenses. School, I had to pay for school at that time too, so I had to use, yeah. use some of the vision money to pay for school because that was technically my, my income, my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up losing about um, 12000 In that second year? In my second oh, year and from, uh, from November to December because the dude didn't finish the website. His hard drive crashed. No way. So all the pictures were gone. No. All the pictures were gone. So luckily, I had some old pictures on my computer, and I had to work on the website. Um, I woke up, I think, at six a.m. because he texted me, I believe, at one a.m. And I was, I was, I was sleeping, dude. So I, I saw a text when I woke up, and he said he couldn't do it. Dang. Got on the computer. I got done maybe around four in the afternoon, and at that time, dude, Black Friday was over. I saw everyone because I get notifications on my cell phone when people mm. go on the website. I had about six, seven hundred people go on it. No one bought a, a single thing because I had nothing on there. I had right. no sales. I had no new merch, nothing. Oh, so technically, I, I I lost all that money. I, when I did post it at 4 p.m., mm-hmm. only the people that, that actually know me bought. And I think I only made about 1200 I think, if that. But wow. all, everything that I invested was just down the drain. <laughs> That's tough. Did he reimburse you or anything? Or? He, he gave me half of it. Yeah. I was just like... I mean, I knew the dude too, mm-hmm. but I was just like, just give me half, and he gave me half. So tough year, man. It was very tough year, very very tough year, and which is one of the reasons why I also had to stop. Mm-hmm. I had to, I mean, twelve thousand dollars in two months. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's a lot. I'm sure your your parents would have been too happy if they heard about that. Yeah. No. Uh huh. Yikes. So, do you have a, a kind of a set date? Are you planning on? relaunching this black friday or just kind of once you're done with school once i'm done i mean i still do some work behind the scenes as far as like coming up with new stuff and just keeping it on the computer mm-hmm. but as far as launching anything i, j- I just can't mm-hmm. i can't I'm, I'm one of those individuals that if i go back to it mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just gonna go 100 percent, and i'm not gonna focus on school or or the water operator thing. yeah makes sense yeah so i just can't and i gotta i can't tolerate let me know how many more. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There you go. <laughs> now that you've taken a pause from it, what are some of the things you miss most about kind of just working on it every day? On the brand? Yeah, on the brand. Everything, dude. Just talking to people, networking, going on photo shoots. Just, I had about, I think, eight ambassadors. So I had to know their schedules. It's just like you're being a, you're, you're a manager. You have to keep track of everyone. So I just, I just mm-hmm. love working. I just love staying up at night, creating. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you when you're trying to think of like, what type of questions should I ask this yeah. individual? 
So I don't know. That's just everything I love planning what my day is going to be because I always have something to do every day, every day. So damn, it's got to be tough. I don't know. Not not only that, just the DMs too. Like the DMs that I would get from people, like, "Hey, dude, you're an inspiration. Like, keep oh, going. Yeah. I know your brand's gonna make it." I actually had uh, a girl DM me, and oh, dude, I think she was like 300 pounds. No way. And she, I saw her like post, like she was losing weight, and I would always comment on her thing because, like, to me, that's very, very inspirational. Like, it kept me on track to go to the gym too. Mm-hmm. And then she DM'd me after I posted, uh, I believe I was going to get an office at that time. And she just texted, uh, DM'd me a long thing. And she's like, I'm going to fit in your clothes one day. Like, oh, guarantee no that I love your brand. I love what everything it stands for. Once I drop another 100 pounds, like, I'm going to wear your clothes. Dang. And she's like, and I want to model for you. And I was like, set. Like, Dude. You know, man, that, that felt good for me. That hits different, yeah. huh? Yeah, she yeah, dude. <laughs> Even if it's one person, like, it's just, you know, it's just... Uh, it feels it feels good. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, because that's the that's a huge power about brands. I was listening to like a different podcast that I that I like listening to by NPR. And they talk about the power of brands and why people associate themselves. But it sometimes a brand can inspire like people to do great things, even though it's just like a an article of clothing or a wristband. Or because I, I think the main topic was uh, Lance Armstrong's Live Strong bracelet. Oh yeah, and then how people felt after he got caught with doping, right? Um, you know, like it, it just changed people's perspective, but it's just a bracelet. Like it's not going to make you run, but people thought that, you know, people thought it meant this and that they were going to be more athletic or and do this and that kind of stuff. And then, but it's just a bracelet. <laughs> they were all mad when, you know, he got caught. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's crazy though. The power of that brands. How do you think people portray that though? Like how do they like advertise or market like that? Like what's your input on that? How they get people to get so invested in it? Yeah, it's the it's just the band, like you said. It's the commercials and the people they. I mean, like Nike. I know they have Serena Williams, right? Serena and Venus, and you hear their story, right? They came from Compton. They had a sister that was supposedly better than them, and she got shot in a drive-by. It was just hearing that kind of story. You're like, shit. Like, okay. I don't know. I I think people associate their success with the brand, right? Even though they got all the way up there, and once they hit that peak then they got the brand you know the same thing with lebron james like and now he's doing all this great stuff where he's opening up you know schools for kids and and doing all this kind of charitable work but he still gets hated <laughs> he still gets it yeah people are always gonna hate greatness i think at the end of the day but uh and it's hard too when you compare yourself to like you know, michael jordan right yeah. out of high school so uh i don't know but i just i think i think it's the commercials i mean sometimes you watch those powerful commercials even like uh like the Super Bowl does it every year where there's it's like usually a beer commercial where um, they always try and promote beers. They don't show people drinking, right? But they, they always try and promote not drinking and driving. Sure. And there's that one, I, th- I think it was two years Super Bowls ago, where it was that one where it's like this guy, he went out and the dog was waiting for him at home and the do- he never came home at night. And it kind of made you feel sad because the dog was going to, you know, they... Kind of, I didn't even see this. You never saw this commercial? I don't have to YouTube it. it but it makes you, as a, like a as a viewer, think, oh shit, like this guy went out drinking and then he drove and he crashed and he's not going to come home with his dog anymore, right? Yeah. But then he came back the next morning and was like, sorry, buddy, like I had, you know, I had too much to drink. I had to stay the night at a friend or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and so I think stuff like that, just really powerful commercials. I mean, like the Got Milk. Yeah, I don't know if you heard the Steve Jobs. I, I don't know the full story, but Steve Jobs was kind of like this was way back in the day. I saw a post on Instagram, 
and he was talking about that milk's bad for you, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. it? I don't know, supposedly it's, it's bad for you. It's not great for you. Okay. I mean, to a certain extent, like I think we're the only mammals that drink milk after we're like babies and kids, yeah, you know, yeah. like after I think like six, we should stop drinking it. Well, basically they were trying to, milk companies were trying to pursue or advertise that you need to drink milk. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Steve Jobs said they made a, a, a turn in their company and sales started skyrocketing when they made that slogan, got milk. Mm-hmm. They did that mustache and like just, they started using celebrities mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's just that alone Turn yeah. the company around into a like a million billion dollar company just because of that slogan got milk yeah no it's kind of weird i mean i've because communications is so many different things and i remember i had a class specifically on this it was about the theories on how commercials slogans and what what people are attracted to and i wish i did like a little bit of more research on this before because i didn't know it was going to be brought up but it it's, <laughs> kind, it's kind of crazy to think like because we went over all the like popular slogans, went all over the popular brands and and how they basically how they hook people without I don't know, without people even testing their product. You know, what I mean, it's like ad, ad placement is huge. And there's certain certain emotions. With, like I said, the Budweiser commercial and, yeah. the, and the, the dog, we have a certain soft spot for dogs. Right. So that just immediately ignites one thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see the dog be happy and you see the dog wag its tail. Like, oh, shit. Like, you know, yeah, that something triggers our mind. Right. That gets you hooked. And they're just there's different like, like I said, I, I'm not really well versed on this because I'm two years out of school. And like this was just <laughs> one class for one semester. But I remember it was it was pretty cool. There's certain things that we're attracted to. And like, let's say you don't have any. Let's say you want to buy a new cologne and you don't have any idea of like you don't have you don't have a cologne that you're using right now. But you'll remember the last cologne that you saw a commercial of that was that caught your attention yeah. right whatever it was whatever brand it was axe for yeah. example gets you girls exactly yes <laughs> exactly exactly you mean every young boy in middle school and high school yeah. they see that they're like i'm gonna spray this a whole ton and then you know realis- that was me realistically it's not it's not gonna <laughs> work but but to uh, there's statistics that i guess it does increase your chance of of attracting a, a, a girl I'm sure it, it does five ten percent. I'm sure it smelling does. good. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Versus like no deodorant, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like if it was no deodorant or Axe, then yeah, of course. But even like I think back to the Gatorade commercials, you know, and you get the big superstar athletes, and you know they're doing a workout, and they look tired, and then you see them drink Gatorade, and all of a sudden they're, they're like boom, they're re-energized. It's like no, like I mean that doesn't happen per se like the way the commercial portrays it. So sometimes, I don't know, it's just the way people advertise things in certain certain cues and commercials. But it's and funny, slogans. some people do take it to heart. Like, I drink Gatorade, it's going to refuel me, and, and they, they start, you know, <laughs> working out or whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a mind thing. For sure. Yeah. Nike, just do it. Simple slogan, yeah. but it, it can mean so much, you know? And that's when you know a brand or a company has, has you know, have some influential on people when they get to that point because mm-hmm. there's people like I had friends in high school I played football that was my, my sport and I remember like there's in high school you don't there's no brand specifics right like you can just buy whatever cleats you want and there was friends that were so hooked on Under Armour it was convinced this was like the best cleats the best socks and like me I was an Adidas guy at the time but I only bought Adidas because they were cheaper checks over like, stripes bro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but like literally I I bought whatever was cheapest and it just happened to be adidas at the time 
And then I remember, like, I was I graduated in 2012, and Adidas wasn't huge yet at the time. But it started getting there. They started making the Adi Zero cleats, and all these new soccer cleats were coming out. But football cleats, too, baseball. And they really branched out. But I just, I don't know. Like, now I think about it, it's like, I don't really care what brand I have on specifically. is whatever is most affordable and most comfortable, you know? But that's, I, that's the way you think now? Yeah, that's the way I think now. Okay. But back then, it was like Adidas everything, you yeah, know? Yeah had to be Adidas socks, Adidas shoes, Adidas I think, hat. I think as we get older, we, we tend to, you know, not care that much. Because that was the same. I had to have Nike shoes with Nike socks. You would never catch me wearing Nike shoes with, like, Adidas socks or right. anything different. You know, or even with some bands in a night. No. Because people would clown you. Yeah, yeah. Too, you know, you get, you get bullied low-key. Exactly. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Yeah. You have an Adidas shirt, Nike shorts, and Under Armour mm-hmm. shoes. Like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And that was one thing I learned in that class is that most of the advertisements are tailored towards kids because kids is where if you can get a kid hooked on a product early, they'll be hooked on that for the rest of their life. Mo- that's more, our, more than that's likely. Our generation come, you know? Right. Uh, they, they brought up McDonald's for a good reason because like when McDonald's got those like uh, lawsuits for causing diabetes, like when, when McDonald's was kind of going down the, the, the toilet, it seemed, they were still advertising for kids and they started inventing Happy Meals. And we learned about how Happy Meals kind of reboosted because they didn't always have Happy Meals, but McDonald's Happy Meals kind of reboosted all these kids to get hooked on it. And you hook a ten-year-old when they're thirty, they're still going to be thinking, "Oh, like McDonald's, that's a good place I, I to eat." Yeah. yeah, so stuff like that. Just because I think as an adult, you know, if you know McDonald's is bad for you, you're less likely to eat it. But if you're a kid and you see that you get a toy and you see the commercials and people smiling, you're gonna want want McDonald's and. You're going to beg your parents for McDonald's until they eventually cave in, yeah, right? Yeah. So, stuff like that. It's like most of the advertisements are tailored towards kids. I'll have to start brainstorming. <laughs> yeah, no, that's seriously, that's that's like a huge thing. Middle schoolers, high schoolers. And again, to even have a commercial do, that's so much money. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get a billboard, even that. I mean, I thought that was a lot. How, how much is it? Did you look into it? Just depending on the location, the sizing, and how long you want it, but some can range. I mean, there's some cheap ones, 500. Okay. All the way up to, you're talking maybe, you know, 20,000, 25,000. It just depends. Because yeah. there's one, I the reason I ask, because there's one at the block, and it has, I, I have, I, last time I went, it was like last Friday, and it still has this play, I forgot, it's like a Chinese play yeah. that they're advertising, but it's been there for this whole year. And the play was in February, so like it's it's J- July now, and yeah, like yeah, the thing. Yeah. So so the, I know they don't really change it out much. I don't know if that billboard doesn't do well. But <laughs> you mean that play was in February and March? You like still you have gotta it. change it's it. Like yeah. half the year now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like gone. It's moved on. So yeah. that's it's interesting. I'm sure the billboards in LA, like on the 405 or five, are gonna cost a little bit more. I don't know though. Um, probably, but then again, like, do you even look at billboards? I mean, the really catchy ones, yeah. You know, like like you said, the sex appeal sells. Yeah. You know, if I see, like, a girl in a bikini drinking Corona, like, okay, sure. I'm about to get myself a Corona. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or just, like, the, I think, was it Bud Light? They used to have those, like, the twins. Or even one, Carl's Jr. Mmm, very yeah. huge on that. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. No. But I'm sure they got a lot of people hooked on that. You oh, know? yeah, definitely. From they got the, me hooked. From the Kim K's to the, they had, like, Miss Turkey on there and, uh. What's All her, different kind of models. What's her name? Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. Yeah. I think Kate Upton did one too. Yeah, I mean, they just basically hit up Sports Illustrated and it's like, hey, let me get you all your models. <laughs> <laughs>
from your perspective, how did like social media carry your brand? Um, I mean, it, it's by far the the biggest platform for businesses, in my opinion, just simply because it's it's free. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, social media is free. So as far as for me, I I played basketball, so I had quite a few people that I knew who played D one who played overseas, and I was like, I can use that to my advantage. I'm like, these are all my friends who doesn't like to get free clothing and some dope yeah. photography on their IG, you know. So I just started doing that, started posting consistently, and and next thing you know, I just started getting orders. More people were hitting me up, like, what's this all about? And just slowly, just started expanding. Mm-hmm. What's been, what were some of the bigger challenges that you faced in kind of like starting it up? Whew. Um, man. <laughs> so I got to start. So basically back like in 2014, like I said, I had no business aspirations whatsoever. Yeah, I just knew how to play ball and go to school. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. So coming in, I had a friend who worked for, I believe, East Bay. Mm, okay. And since I was starting off as a basketball brand, I wanted dry fits because everyone loved the dry fits back in that uh, time. Still and, do. And yeah. they still do, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I called them and I asked them, hey, man, I, I need some dry fits. I was wondering if I can get something similar to Nike. He's like, yeah, I got you. Just tell me what, what uh, product you want and, and then just let me know. So I chose a product and I told him, but I, I want them not, not to have the Nike logo on it. I just want the dry fit itself. And sure enough, he said, that's cool. And next thing you know, I order it, package comes, and it has Nike logos all over it. Oh. So I was just like, what? Like, so I give him a call. I'm like, hey, man, like I got the package, but it has Nike logos all over it. He's like, yeah, that's how they come. I'm like, but I told you I wanted them blank. I wanted blank, you know, dry fits. He's like, for what? And I was like, I'm starting a clothing brand, and this is how I want to start. He's like, wait, wait, wait. You want Nike's trademark dry fit, like material? And he just kind of made fun of me. He's like, man, you can't do that. That's, yeah. you know, that's copyright infringement and so on and so on. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, so I just like, oh, man, like, I just, I, I, I am like, this is way harder than I thought. Yeah. Way harder than I thought. So I had to do my research and um, I didn't even know where to get blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only brand I knew was Gildan. But to me, Gildan's like a very, very like cheap material. Only yeah. In my eyes. Lower budget. Yeah. So... I kid you not, I had to start from square one, and I came upon Randall Pitch, which is the CEO of Lifit. Okay. And he's actually another reason why I started the brand. He was an inspiration to me, and I just kind of like looked at all his YouTube videos, his social media, and just everything that came along what a clothing brand is supposed to do. Because mm-hmm. he, I think at that time, he was only two or three years into the brand. And it was kind of like he was he, he was making some moves, and um, and yeah, I mean basically from there on, I just I just started researching more, asking Google, and and then I found accounts, and then I had learned how to get a business license, a seller's permit, the tax ID, just just yeah. every everything when it comes to business, and uh, from there on, I just started branching out little by little, taking baby steps. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How did you come across the? Uh forgot his name pitch randall randall Randall? pitch yeah yeah well social media so start off as ball is life try to do the basketball thing and i just like that's too impacted it's just too hard more of a lifestyle fitness and that's when randall came along and i'm kidding now man every single word he said i took to heart 
the, the first thing I did was invest in a I think the camera was forty two hundred dollars. Oh dang! Okay. And I went to Best Buy, put out a credit card, and that's the Big first thing I did. Yeah. yeah, right off the bat. Why? Because Randall said social media is is the place to promote your thing. So with that being said, you must have professional content. Mm-hmm. Whether that be investing in the camera or anything along those lines, that's he said that rule of thumb. That's his number one thing that he would have done. So I did it, <laughs> and from there on, it actually did help. It, it helped to have professional content. There you go. So was it hard for you to get kind of used to the camera and stuff like that? or I had no idea how to use a camera. So when Randall said that, I have a buddy who's a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. I asked for his input. Hey, man, um, I want to buy a camera. I think my budget at that time was $800. What can I get? And he's like, honestly, dude, just go for the big boy, mm-hmm. which is the Canon 5D Mark III at that time. And I was just like, why that's that's 4500 whatever it was dollars and it's like because if you start small you're gonna learn it and you're gonna want something better so why not just aim high and learn it from there so youtube videos constantly just going out shooting shooting my sister shooting my friends just anything just just to get practice mm-hmm. and then from there on i just got i got used to it was it harder to find like your models or your ambassadors or were people kind of just on board from the beginning it was so hard i got rejected left and right uh what the brand started off i kid, i was embarrassed by it i i even how Dang. much is a t-shirt uh twenty dollars <laughs> i even thought that was a lot for my own t-shirt because i wasn't that confident in my product at that time mm-hmm. so um so it was hard i got rejected left and right it, yeah. it took a while to build it and i and till now when i came in my second year i had people dming me mm-hmm. that were interested so it was a good you know feeling that the tables were turned yeah i feel like that's like speaking on Instagram and like social media, now we can, if you're like a clothing brand owner and stuff like that, you can search for ambassadors or models pretty easily via Instagram. Yeah. Because I have a few friends that, you know, when you look through their comments, there's always like a, a different brand or different boutique store. Or always, you know, someone's always reaching out to them saying, hey, you want to be that instead of like actually having to look through like a job search or make phone calls and stuff like that. It's pretty easy now where you can just scroll through Instagram and just be like, hey, like if I give you some free stuff, can you write my brand and stuff like that? So. Exactly. It's kind of like evolutionized. Yeah. It's so easy, man. Social media just makes everything so easy for us. Mm -hmm. So outside of your brand, you mentioned you go to school. What are are some of the things you're majoring in or your plans? So I go to Cal State Fullerton. Um, I was originally majoring in computer engineering. And with doing that plus the brand, it was just way too hard. And I had all my focus on the brand. Like just I was going 100%. I think this was in 2016 because I officially started the brand. Like my official launch was November 2016. That 2014 till then was just mainly trial and error, learning mm. what the business was all about from YouTube to uh, Randall and so on and so forth. So when I started in November 2016, I just started slacking off school. And I kid you not, and I'll say this, which I don't mind. I got on academic probation Uh, because of it. I wasn't going to class and I had to change my major. And and now I'm doing mathematics. My my major's in mathematics and uh, I'm almost done. I mean, almost done. Mm -hmm. So that's what's tough about school is like just juggling different things. Cause I didn't have the podcast when I was going to school, but I was very invested into the radio station program. I was also like an intern for a newspaper. So I just 
for my experience, I was like, all oh, my focus was in that, and I was like, barely getting like B's and C's in, in school. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could have tried a lot harder. Yeah. Probably could have gotten straight A's if I wanted to. Um, but I just like my focus was elsewhere. I felt like you learn more sometimes outside the class. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. hands down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the books and stuff kind of bored me. The it's lectures. Like, you were getting B's and C's. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I, was, I was getting D's and C's. I was I was, I was happy with the C. I started getting D's and I was just like, oh man, I can't. It was, mm-hmm. it was a hassle. But I was also communications, and so like you know the stereotype is that's kind of easier. And uh, I have a pretty decent memory, I want to say. Like, I can remember things pretty good. History was my favorite topic in, like, elementary, so high school and stuff. Dates and yeah, just because, like, my dates and, like, names. I can remember different stuff in theories pretty easily, so. And I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the total opposite. I actually have to study, put in two, three hours a day or something just to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there any plans for you as far as the brand to kind of, because for the most part, it's just clothing. Do you plan to branch off to, like, shoes or any other kind of yes apparel? so i kind of i kind of want to be like a nike adidas type of thing i wanted to do shoes i wanted to target basketball soccer baseball just kind of all sports um because it's just like I, I i know a lot a lot of people that play those sports and who've done the college who've done the, the pros so eventually when i'm done with school get out of my house, move out, and so on and so forth, I, I, that's something I, I do want to do. Because mm-hmm. with shoes, that's a whole different ball game. It's mm-hmm. a whole different ball game. You got to go overseas and just see how that process works. Yeah. Because it's just, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah, very I'm difficult sure it is. Thing. Especially to try and create something affordable, too. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's always going to be brands that undercut. And that's how Nike is so popular, too, I feel like. Because... Even though they're like a, a high brand, there's a lot of like lower end stuff too that they can just kind of undersell all these other good quality brands. Because I used to work at a shoe store and like I know like a lot of the Nike running shoes, like the, the basic stuff, the, mm-hmm. like the Roches and stuff that people yeah. wear. I mean, those are no good. Like those, those cost like $15, $20 dollars for them to make. Really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But they sell it for what, like 80 Yeah, exactly. So they're making hella profit on it. And they could put it on sale for 50 40 and make you think, oh, that's a huge deal. In reality, they're still making twice their profit, yeah, you know? Yeah. But I know, like, just, you know, learning, like, some of the better running shoes, Saucony, Asics, and uh, Brooks, you know what I mean? All those cost way more than a Nike running shoe, but everyone's buying the Nike because of the brand, yes, but also because of the affordability of it. I didn't know that, really. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have thought it was the opposite. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's, it's kind of... I know, like, New Balance, their thing is, like, they're made in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Oh, so... So that's, yeah, yeah so that's why expensive. their shoes are more expensive. And, you know, there's people who search for those because it is made in the U.S. But, yeah, that's why Nike does all their things overseas is because it's cheaper nice. material to make. Yeah. I don't know. That. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what is some advice that you would get to, like, tell your younger self as far as, like, starting the brand? To be quite honest, I think the I probably should have finished school first established some type of income and then started the brand mm-hmm. the only reason why i say this because i mean and everyone's different but just my situation now is i had part-time jobs i was going to school i had a clothing brand and then on top of that i also had a girlfriend at that time and i ended up quitting the part-time jobs to focus on the brand and then when I quit those jobs, then you had my folks, my parents, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was a hard pill to swallow because, as I mean, 
I guess you can say Mexican parents, or I don't know, just parents in general. Mm-hmm. They kind of weren't on board with what I was doing. They were more of the nine to five type of thing: go to school, get your degree, and 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 do that. And I just felt like this is something that I love to do. It became a passion, and even though it was stressful, I I loved it. I didn't mind staying up two, three in the morning and still going to school and, and working and then working on the brand. You know, it's just it, it just became a passion. So um, we bumped heads for like two years, which is another reason why to put the brand on pause. Mm-hmm. The inventory at the house they didn't like. You know, I I specifically cleaned out the back room for myself, and I have the studio at my house too so just people coming in to take pictures and they're like who are these people why are you bringing mm. random people in so just a lot of stuff and then as I got older I'm 26 now um, he's, my dad was like what are you doing like you know mm-hmm. you're still doing the brand but like what are you doing with your life are you going to get a job or something so I just I just had to stop I just had to stop and, and kind of focus on the priorities mm-hmm. and go from there. So that's the advice I'd probably give my 23-year-old self when I started. Hmm. The reason I asked, too, is because this past year, I worked uh, at an after-school program with middle school kids. Nice. And a lot of them had, they showed interest already in working and creating brands. You know what I mean? They'd come up to me and show like, hey, like I want to start this brand. And like they had a name and they had, you know, on their phone, kind of like you said with the apps, they were playing around with apps. And, you know, these kids are 13, 12 years old. So... Um, you know, just kind of from like a younger, then I know there's kids interested in, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I sometimes feel like society as a whole, we push for people to go to the nine to five, but there's kids who have different man at that age. Yeah. I just say, go for it. Yeah. You have nothing to lose. If I was 15 starting the brand. Oh man. I think cause I was very popular in high school. I played basketball. So I, I'm pretty sure my brand would have skyrocketed, but mm-hmm. at that age, you have no responsibilities. You just go to high school and, and just, that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the parents wouldn't mind at all. So yeah, that's like, when you ask your parents for yeah. uh, for birthday money. Exactly. Just be like, hey, you know, buy me t shirt, blank t shirts or blank whatever. So at, at that age, go for it. You're all in, and and make mistakes. Don't be afraid, and and just and just do it. Because mm-hmm. at the beginning, I was very hesitant on like, what should I do? How should I approach it? And at that time, I was just like, I'm just gonna do it. And and I did make mistakes, and I did take some losses. But it just made me, you know, learn more about myself and about the business. So, just go go for it. Mm -hmm. And kind of touching on what you said earlier, my parents are the same way. You know, I went to school and they're kind of like, oh, you should apply for the county or you should apply for the... (laughs) The state, you know, yeah, yeah. just like all these like boring so your job has the best benefits. And yeah, all that. yeah, basically, and it's just like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to, I want to do something like this, but obviously, I can't get paid for it right now at this time. But you know, I I bought the new computer, I bought the new the mic. I, I was like fully invested into it, and I, like, like kind of like you, I guess. I was, I don't mind waking up early or staying up late to record with different people, going to different. You know, I've been to like further in LA. I've recorded over the phone, so I don't mind doing these different things the same time working these different part-time jobs and it, it's tough for like money sometimes and, yeah. and they need help you know with their situation sometimes and so I just feel like man like I definitely it's hard to be committed to something else when your family's pushing you for another direction but then you listen to Gary Vee yeah and then it's just like the total opposite and and he's one of like the dudes that I used to listen to a lot along with um oh man I forgot his name 
um, Andy, mm. Pris, Andy something. He, him, and Gary. So when I first started, that's all I would listen to, and that would keep me focused. And that's why I didn't listen to my parents for like two years. <laughs> just like I, I just like you know what? It's okay. Keep telling me all this. It's fine. But um, but yeah, I mean. I got, I lost, I got yeah. lost of track. <laughs> no, it's tough though. It's like, it is a generational gap for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. back then, you know, in the, my parents are like 50. So I guess in like the eighties, if they went to college, like it, it meant a secure job benefits and all the whole nine yards. But mm-hmm. now it doesn't mean that. And there's so many other ways you can make money that are uh, more interesting, more, I guess, more fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. different passions that you could pursue. And they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. They really don't. And it's it's hard to convince them, but I mean, uh, Randall's the same way. His story, he dropped out of college, mm-hmm. and I actually considered that. But what he said is, don't drop out of college until you know, like, your brand or whatever you're doing is gonna get there. Don't just oh, I have an idea, I'm gonna do it, and then I'm just gonna quit. Mm-hmm. Do both at the same time. See how the brand's doing, or, or whatever you're doing, and then and then from there make the decision once once it starts making some noise. Yeah, and that's kind of what I did. But you know, parents can hold you back, man. Parents can hold you back for man, sure. It's, I it's mean, they, bad. Yeah, you know, and and sometimes you get labeled like, well, you're not a real entrepreneur because I've had that told. You know, like, and people do listen to Gary Vee or other things. They're like, well, they say this and this and this, and it's just like, well, yeah, but it's just. Their life experiences versus someone else's just is totally different, mm-hmm. and it just it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's tough too when you're living like under their household. Like you know, this is my parents' place, so I kind of gotta abide to a certain extent to their rules and to their expectations, and still kind of answer to them. You know, I mean, I, they don't have a curfew on me anymore, but like a lot of little things here and there, it's kind of like, hey, what are you doing? Like, get a job, get a full time job. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They want you out of the house. Well, at least for me, they want me yeah. out of the house already. Yeah. I mean, Low me key. and my pops don't even talk anymore. It's in a very passive-aggressive way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You mentioned um, being an entrepreneur. What does be entrepreneurship mean to you? So get this. I I, <laughs> I had no idea what that word meant when I started. I just I just heard it and I was like, oh, that that that, that sounds cool. You know, I'm, I have my own business, and mm-hmm. people were like, oh, you're an entrepreneur, or you're a CEO, and I was just like my head cool you know and as I kept going I'd started to find the true meaning of what a CEO is and I was just like I'm no CEO CEOs have employees they have you know it's just like, it was just me mm-hmm. and then the entrepreneurship I don't know it's just someone who just really grinds for their for their shit dude like just straight on you just put in the hours nothing gets in their way and and they have this this goal and, and nothing's gonna stop them basically that's that's how I view it because for good two years like I said I had my part-time I had my girlfriend I was going to school and then and then the brand I I was only averaging about like five hours of sleep at most mm-hmm. a day just just to do it I had to learn how to use the uh, illustrator the Photoshop the photography how to make the websites uh, how to to orders just just everything the logistics of what a business is supposed to do Mm -hmm. and i used to have a warehouse job as well i used to work at a warehouse for a clothing company just to see how how Mm. they do it just to get experience and i hated it dude i hated it it was (laughs) like late night shifts and sometimes in the middle of the day and it was just awful but 
like I said, it's just it's just a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I think entrepreneurship is also a sacrifice. A lot. Sacrifice on sleep. Yeah. Big time. And family, <laughs> friends, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're in a relationship or any anything along those lines, it's it's a huge sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm lucky right now, like the girl I'm dating, she's very supportive of the podcast and my pursuit of it and so like even though it takes away a lot of time from I'm sure her and I, she's very supportive in that pursuit. But there's definitely times, you know, I'm not a big tech savvy person. <laughs> when I was in uh, the radio station, you know, all I had to do was talk into the mic, but I didn't really have to edit my stuff. Uh, they, I had very minimal, like I knew how to record and I, you know, very minimal things here and there. But over the time, I learned how to do a lot more stuff on my own as far as editing techniques and laying over music. And I took one class at Fullerton College to help me a lot. But then other stuff, I just kind of YouTube search. Like YouTube's a... YouTube's the gold a, mine. <laughs> yeah, YouTube's a really good friend. I've talked about it with you know another friend on a previous show but just you can learn anything on youtube from your car to fixing a a, a sink leak to editing this you know editing podcasts and stuff like that so youtube's been my best friend and just like you said it's a lot of late nights because sometimes you watch a 10 minute one and you didn't get what you needed and i'm just like the worst yeah the worst (laughs) so you gotta sit through another eight minute one and pray that it's you know the one that you're looking for and trying to fix the problem that you have or you're trying to do something special with and so it's, it can be pretty tough. Definitely, it's it's a sacrifice for sure. Totally agree, man. And, and the, the thing that kind of just going off a of topic, but still sticking with YouTube and Google, I had a lot of people always ask me, how do you start a brand? Or how do you do this? And it's like, we live in a generation where we have the internet. Mm-hmm. On, our the same, on our phones. On our phones. like our pockets. That same question you're asking me, just type it in there. <laughs> and you'll find something, man. Like, every everyone's experience is different. Mm-hmm. Like, you do podcasting a different way versus someone else i'm pretty sure right you know and your tactics are different from their tactics so it's just like you just gotta do it on your own Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then i still grew up in that generation where when i was younger and i didn't know how to spell anything my mom would always be like get out the dictionary you know yeah yeah because we didn't get a desktop computer until like 2008 yeah we were were really late you know and so (laughs) but now it's like anytime i need you know, help spelling something or even like I'm cooking. And sometimes I, I don't, when I was away at school, that was like a huge learning experience for me. Cause I had learned how to cook and how to pay rent and all that kind of stuff, clean the house. But there was a lot of time, the shower was like, I never cleaned the shower before. And the shower got these like little mold stains and it was kind of gross. And I was like, what the hell is that? And my roommate and I were like, we both don't know what that is. And then I looked it up on YouTube and sure enough, I learned how to clean it. Stuff in my shower. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what is this thing in my shower? And sure enough, it tells you and it says, you got to clean it. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you look up a video on how to clean a shower properly. What products to get. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of uh, super helpful just to have like a whole basically like encyclopedia. Yeah. Everything in the world that's discovered in your phone, on your pocket. Easy access. I agree. And those are the people that actually want to learn or want to go get what they're supposed to, you know. Mm -hmm. Because the ones that ask or keep asking or just keep you know lingering around are the ones that are never are never really trying to pursue anything Mm -hmm. yeah that's why i think too like formal education is kind of like declining because of that reason so many people can learn so many things online without having to pay for the the tuition so expensive now and you know and education doesn't really guarantee anything anymore Mm -mm. it's just it's so competitive Mm -hmm. it's so competitive so just it's not like how it used to be so that's that's another reason why it's declining, you know? 
Yeah, I think degrees are more accessible too. You know, they're diff giving different grants and stuff like that. So, I want to say, you know, compared to the '80s, like when when my parents were just out of high school, I'm sure the number of people with bachelor's degrees, you know, probably doubled or tripled since then. You know, just the amount of people who can get to college and the more education they have. It's a it's a competitive world out there. It really is, man, in everything. <laughs> Only the strong survive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So any other goals going forward about your brand that you'd like to share? So I kind of just, I put a pause. It's been eight months. Um, and just because I want to get my priorities straight, finish school, I got about 12 classes left. So I'm, I'm, I'm there. Um, my big boy job, I have a career that I want to pursue. And then hopefully within a year or a year and a half, that's, that's my goal. Just go back to the brand and, and, and you know come back a lot better and then um, and just just see where it goes from there are you trying to teach with mathematics or no not at all just just trying to get that degree that paper in hand and be done my career job is actually going to be a water operator oh, okay I want to get into the city of Anaheim and do and do that oh, so, wow. yeah so hopefully hopefully that works out that sounds cool. I mean, I have no idea what that is. But just like the way you said that, water operator, uh, water operator that sounds like a pretty legit title. It, it, it's cool. I mean, it, it pays well. Um, and it, honestly, it's not that it's not that hard. It's just you take a you take a course. I took a course in uh, Mount Sac. It's a 10-week course once a week. Then you get a certificate, and you, you present that certificate up in uh, Sacramento. Oh, okay. That's where the, the office is at, and uh, you have to pay for the state exams. And then you do treatment or distribution, depending on what what you like. So basically, treating the water and basically what we're drinking, what we're showering, and just what gets distributed in in the city. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. So it sounds easy, but it's just a lot of technical terms mm -hmm. and, and how to treat the water and this process and so on and so forth. But uh, but yeah, I'm taking the exams this this year, November second and. I believe it's September 13 or something like that. There you go. That's so exciting. I get certified and then by next year start my big boy job and then save up and, and go from there. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Thank you. Best of luck with that. Appreciate it, dude. Appreciate it for having me. Noah Alvarez again with the My Mike and I podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the most recent episode. Hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Kevin Ramirez. A reminder, this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher and the Big Heads Podcast Network. So shout out to every one of them. Shout out to Generic Sports and Vince Correa for producing the instrumental and the design, the new My Mike and I logo. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez or on Instagram at Noha underscore Alvarez. Or you can follow the My Mike and I podcast. And the at for that one is my period Mike and period I. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to leave a rating and review if possible if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to follow. Be sure to like us. Be sure to share us with your friends. Really appreciate any support that I can get here with the podcast. Much love to every single one of you listeners. This is Noah Alvarez signing off. Till next time.